This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We're here on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Hey, if it's Thursday noon Eastern time, we are live right now, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I am the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives right here in Philadelphia, and I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. Dream team is in studio today. Michelle and Dion, we're going to make this a fun and interesting show as always, and you are a major part of that. So give us a call if you have any questions on the job search, career management, or tips to advise our other listeners, 844 942-7866. So today we are talking about how you can spot a layoff coming and how you can fireproof yourself in today's changing market. And to help us with that topic, we welcome Dr. Nancy Corey King, the author of Fired, Managing Your Career in the Age of Job Uncertainty. To write her book, Nancy spent five years traveling the country interviewing 65 people who were let go. And she's here today to share her insights from her research to help listeners become aware of the signs of a layoff and the steps that you can take to proactively manage your career as things are changing in your market. So welcome. Welcome to the show, Nancy. How are you today? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm good, Don. Thank you. So I have to say, so our job is our identity. And I think this is why this is this is such an important topic to talk about, because we get very wrapped up in our careers. And I have to admit, when I was reading your book, I was getting a little bit angry about how some of these employees were treated. I mean, I, my, my blood was boiling. I've been, you know, full disclosure, I've been laid off twice, once as part of Arthur Anderson, and the other one was kind of a last one in, first one out situation. And no, it doesn't feel good. Um, but I will say that I was not treated as poorly as some of the, the people you interviewed, Nancy. Yes, it's um, it's shocking. And I wish I could say that the situations I ran into were unusual. But since I've written the book, more and more people are reaching out to me and telling me their, their horror stories. And, you know, the, the worst thing is it's unnecessary to treat somebody like that. It's, for example, one of the people was going out for breast reconstruction survey, surgery, and the HR manager and her manager fired her the weekend before. Now, there was no reason to do that. She would be off on sick leave. Uh, they could have waited, um, but the timing was just so insensitive. Um, another person was charged with managing the layoffs at a major health system, a very, very big job, and had to tell lots of people they no longer had work. But he felt that he was well covered, he had good rapport, he thought he was um, safe because he wasn't on the list, and the last person to go in that stream of layoffs was him. 
And so he did that arduous hard work for the company and then was let go himself. Yeah. And, and the other stories are, I mean, people were forced to have a party, even though they didn't want to. I mean, they were they were fired and they were forced to attend their own party and pretend they're having a good time. I mean, these are these are crazy situations. And I want to really crazy. I, I kind of want to talk back about the first one you were talking about with the woman who is going out for a medical reason. Yes. Because I think a lot of people um, believe that that some of these situations create a safe space for them because of of laws and discrimination. So I know this is not at all a legal show, and we're not here to give legal advice. But you know, can you talk a little bit about what at will employment means? Sure. We um, we are mostly employees at will, unless you are hourly or protected by a union. And what that means is generally, and it varies from state to state, is that you can be fired for any reason and for no reason. So um, there's no requirement for due process. There's no requirement for three-step disciplinary action or anything like that. It really is the employer's choice. And so while you're asked for loyalty and commitment and engagement and full participation, um, that is not necessarily required of the employer toward you. Yeah, so I think that that's varies an- from state to state, as yes. you said. Mm-hmm. But that's the general premise. Yeah, and I think that's important for people to be aware of, Nancy, because I, I do think that a lot of people feel that they may be um, protected due to, in this case, the the woman was going on medical leave or, you know, maybe age or other factors. And the first thought is, well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to retaliate and I'm going to sue. But um, how how hard or easy is that? It's very difficult to sue successfully. There are protected classes. But most lawyers will encourage you to settle, and some lawyers will discourage you at all. In fact, one of the people I interviewed for my book was a lawyer, and she said that the word gets around. And so if you want to work again, the word will get around that you're, quote, a problem employee if you do sue your employer. Mm -hmm. So I'm not suggesting that's what everybody should do, but that was her worry that those things get around. Uh, one of our interviewees did sue, and she sued for disability, and the um, the judge found that um, she was not um, fired correctly and agreed with her statement, but did not find it was because of her disability. So she went through a long ordeal and um, did not um, recover any um, any money, but she did feel vindicated that um, the supervisor was uh, chastised for doing it inappropriately. Yeah, it's such a hard decision because these oh. these. I mean, if you read the the stories in your book, "Fired Managing Your Career in the Age of Job Uncertainty," I mean, I mean, all of these sound terribly unfair. And I would be really upset if if this happened to me or any of of my colleagues or people that that I know. Um, so it's it's tempting to want to do that, but like you said, it's there's a long process, often an expensive process. So you really have to understand what is it you want to get out of this. Like if you decide to pursue legal action, um, like, hey, 
844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're here with Dr. Nancy Corey King, the author of Fired, Managing Your Career in the Age of Job Uncertainty. And hey, if you've experienced a layoff or somebody you know has gone through a situation, you, you find it helpful to share with listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Or maybe you are in a situation where you have to do the layoff and um, you're looking for, for tips on how to do that. You can give us a call all hour if it's Thursday, noon Eastern. We are here, 844-942-7866 on Career Talk, taking your calls, Business Radio Channel 132. So I I, I do want to talk a little bit. There's so many topics we can talk about related to this. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of best practices out there that, that talk about here's the way you should, you should handle layoff if you have to lay off employees. But they're all very different. You know, some say you, you should do it on a Friday at the end of the day. Some say, no, it should be on a Tuesday. Um, or some say that you should give them a heads up. Others say that, no, you should totally, you know, just blindside them. And then there's the whole perp walk, which is getting a box and, and walking people out. I mean, there's these there's so many things. And what have you found is the, the best way to do this? It's a hard situation. Companies obviously have to do this at times. But what is the what is the best way to do this if you find yourself in a situation where you have to let go of your team, Nancy? That's a great question, and one of the good things about writing the book, I went to a conference, and two managers actually came to me and said, we have to do this layoff, we're sick about it, we read your book, and we checked ourselves against all the things that you mentioned, and felt that um, they were doing it right, and I think the first thing is a massive layoff is different than a one-on-one or a position reduction. But in either case, you want to be as um, sensitive to the employee and their coworkers as possible. And so the lawyers will say, you know, don't give them any notice, usher them out, get their box, turn off their computer, unplug their email, walk them out the door. Um, And we know there are terrible uh, situations where people who were let go had a violent reaction. So we understand where they're coming from. But to really preserve your organization's culture and preserve the dignity of the person being let go uh, is the best thing you can do. So if it's possible, you want to give them notice. And if not notice being on the job, if you feel it's necessary, at least some um, reasonable severance vacation payout if possible, and um, some severance so that they can get back on their feet. Very few people have resources to keep going. If possible, don't fire them the last day of the month because when you are getting health care benefits from your employer, they're good till the last day of the month. And so if you fire somebody on the 30th, then what they have to do immediately while they're in a spin of emotion is to go online and apply for COBRA. And one of the people um, I interviewed was let go at the end of the month, and they had to um, plan for their child's surgery. And how am I going to pay for this? I've never heard of COBRA. What is it? So it is difficult. If you can write an exit story together, Um, I like the idea of giving the employee a chance to write the email to their coworkers. It's time for me to uh, take a new opportunity. I've enjoyed working here. This is a great team. Here's my contact information. I'd love to stay in touch. Mm -hmm. 
if that's possible, boy, that puts um, a better spin uh, for the rest of the company, and it also allows people to know that you can call this person. And I think that's important is to stay in touch and check in and see how they're doing. But if you can share an exit story, the company and the person will respond much better than an email that says effective four o'clock so-and-so is no longer employed here. Yeah, and I think all the things you're talking about, Nancy, are, are kind of empowering the employee. And when when somebody finds themselves, whether it's a crisis situation, you know, or something like a layoff or, or firing, one of the most important things to do to somebody in that, that position is to give them as much control of the situation as possible because the, the rug was just pulled out from under them. So a lot of the things you're talking about, which are, you know, coming up with an exit story, how do I want to share this with coworkers, um, you know, having some choices around when's your last day going to be versus the perp walk of, of being handed a box and walking out. And, you know, so I think that's that's kind of the sensitivity that we have to have when we're, we're put in this situation is to think about how can I give this person within the, the, the guidelines of the situation as much control over what the next steps are as possible. Uh, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Lucy in uh, South Dakota. Welcome to the show, Lucy. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate having the, the opportunity to talk to you. I wish my husband could ask this directly, but he can't. So my question is, um, my husband was an executive in a university setting. Um, a new president came in and then relieved my husband of his job. He had been there 30 years, so a long time. My husband's 60. Um, and so my husband, you know, after leaving an academic setting, um, he got a job, you know, almost right away with a private company. That's been very difficult. My husband's a scientist, and just I think the transition from academia to a public company has been a real challenge for him. He's he's looking for another opportunity at this time, and has and has an interview coming up. Um, but I just wondered about you know tips you have for making transitions. You know, he's an executive at at 60, he's not ready to retire and doesn't want to really retire yet, but how do we get through these transitions and find meaningful work after so long? You said, you know, your job is your identity, Mm -hmm. you know, having one identity and having to shift really kind of late in your career. Yes. So, you know, I, you know, Lucy, if you listen to the show, I love, I love talking about career switchers. There's a couple of things in here, though, that I, I think are complex and I want to un- untangle. So you said that your husband was an executive in a university, but he was a scientist. So was he, a, was he in the administration? Was he a, a faculty member? Yes. Yes, he was in administration, vice president for a university in charge of research. Okay, you know? and and he went to a private company. Was his choice to go to a private company, or did he want to end up in another university? Um, you know, I think he was looking forward to doing something a little bit different than academics. So I think I think his thought was that this was going to be, you know, really an exciting new change. He's with a startup company now out of Boston. But I think the reality of it is, you know, it's it's really, it's been such a big shift. I think he's had a hard time, you know, kind of coming to terms with what science in an academic setting means versus science in a public company. 
Yes, and it's very different. And I, I had the opposite. I came from corporate, moving into an academic uh, situation. So I, I, I definitely understand his pain from the from the flip side. I'm going to go ahead and give Nancy a chance to respond first, and then I will I will jump in. Well, sure. sure. So, Lucy, thank you for the call, and I'm very glad he found work because um, in universities, that is very common for a new leader to come in and wipe out a team and then bring in their own team from their prior position or people that they've worked with. So that's very common. And it's, um, it's a challenge because for 30 years, your husband has been taught and rewarded on how to do things in that culture. And he's been told mm-hmm. he's done a good job with the way things work at a university, and that isn't the way things work at corporate. So I think the best thing for anybody taking a new job, and I even coach my own employees, is to glue your back to the back of your chair and really listen and observe the culture. So your goal now is to stay employed. Um, you want to love it, but right now your goal is to keep, keep the job until you're able to make another switch. So really, I would encourage him to really read the room, learn how people get ahead, learn how things work. There will be things he doesn't like or don't meet his standards. But um, if he leaves, we want it to be on his terms, not theirs. So I think that's the first thing I encourage people do is to really understand the room. And then secondly, your boss understand the goals clearly, understand how you get things done, and if possible, hold your fire. Um, Keep your back against the chair. That's my physical cue for not lunging in and offering an opinion, but really trying to understand how things work. It's going to be a challenge. And the second thing is your encouragement, because employment's important. It's your family's uh, security. It's their safety. It's often their health care. But then the third thing is Find other things that give joy in your life. So your identity is your job, but people who've lost their job know they probably put too much of their identity into their professional identity. So try to find things at home together that that really provide meaning, whether that's volunteering or getting involved in your neighborhood or being more intentional about being with family. Those kind of things build meaning in life when in this period of his time, the meaning isn't quite there. Yeah, um, I, I agree with, with all of those things. You really do have to kind of look at things differently now. And, and Lucy, so um, a couple of things I just want to add to what Nancy said. Anytime you leave one organization, whether it's from a university to corporate or anything after 30 years, you're going to have to to find a culture or relearn a culture that's going to be very different. And it could be that your husband landed in a place that is just not a good culture fit. Um, it's true that any any corporate environment is going to feel different. But you mentioned the word startup. And, and if I'm a, if I'm getting that right, a startup is very, very different from a university. I mean, it's very. Yeah. So, I mean, that's about as far away from a university culture as you can go. So I completely agree with Nancy. You don't want to leave a job before you have another job because that's going to be that's going to be really key. However, my sense is, is that it might be the culture of the startup that that wouldn't work for a lot of us who are used to working in large hierarchical organizations with a certain structure. That would be very difficult for many people. And they just, you know, it seems exciting, but it's just 
too different for somebody to feel like they can make a contribution in a in a valuable way. So what I would suggest is if if um, he hasn't, he might want to sit down with a career coach and really look at what is it about the job he's in currently that he enjoys, even if it's only five or ten percent of the job. I mean, is it is it the type of work? Is that where he can um, really excel? Is it the environment? You know, and what is it that he doesn't like? Because my sense is his skills are very valuable, and you know, something like like maybe a, a large pharma company or there's other places where I think he would find that they value his clinical background. Um, maybe more so than the startup, as well as has a more hierarchical or a structure that feels more um, aligned to what he wants or what he's used to. So so I think sitting with a career coach and really looking at how has the market changed, how is the landscape different in the places he's looking at, and really boiling it down to what is the challenge here which based on 30 seconds, I do think it's a startup environment so that he can he can feel good about making the next step that it's that he can understand what type of culture he wants to go to and ask those questions up front. But that would be my my sense. Lucy, is that helpful? That is both of you. Thank you so very much. You both have really, really helped me kind of it's you know been a difficult year and challenging because, you know, the man and the professional that I knew have changed so much mm. and and i think yeah. you're right it is you know the startup environment's been really hard and the cultural shift has been really hard and it's it's it's, it's you know it's been a it's been kind of one of those rides that you know part of it is really good and then part of it you're like oh man <laughs> we, we need some help figuring this out yeah and it so is part of you. your identity and it's part of both of your identities and I feel like he's got so much to offer he needs to find an environment that values that because that's that sounds like what he's missing where he's at and that certainly can have um, you know a negative impact on on his mood and all of those things, which which impacts lots of areas of his life, so so I definitely think a career coach would be helpful. If you, I have some recommendations on my website, drdawnoncareers.com. There's also other websites that have career coaches. One of my favorite is the Muse, um, so it's the m u s e uh, dot com. So they have different coaches. So finding somebody who can just sit down now that he's he's stepped away from this thirty year career and is moving into a new market and just really assess where he's at, where he wants to go, and where his strengths are is going to be so helpful. Thank you so much, Lucy, for giving us a call. We're rooting for your husband. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM, Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. Hey, I'm on Instagram now, at Dr. Don Graham. Same as my Twitter handle. Come find me. We're putting lots of fun behind-the-mic pictures with Michelle and Dion and lots of other fun stuff. So we'd love to see you there, at Dr. Don Graham. And hey, if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, we're taking our calls all hour. 844-942-7866. And we are talking all about layoffs and how to see them coming, how to avoid them, and how to fireproof your your career with uh, Dr. Nancy Corey King, the author of Fired, Managing Your Career in the Age of Job Uncertainty. So, so um, Nancy, tell us what are some of the signs that will indicate that something may be amiss and you might want to consider uh, starting to fireproof your job or look at other opportunities. Right. So the first uh, few signs I'll mention are obvious. And if any of these happen to you, uh, your departure is imminent. So one is your job is posted. And I had 
multiple people that I interviewed whose job was literally posted online and on different sites. So that's a bad sign. That is a Um, bad sign. Wow. That's a bad sign. That's an understatement. You have had duties removed. If If people are taking things away from you, that's potentially a sign or you've been demoted. And if you are on a performance improvement plan, pay attention. That is usually one step in the uh, process to get rid of somebody. So now those are obvious. Here are some more subtle ones. Um, Are meetings dropping from your calendar or are you no longer getting invites to things you might typically have gone to? Have your emails slowed down? So maybe you would get 100 emails a day from different people, and, and maybe that has slowed down. Are people avoiding you? Um, one person I interviewed, you know, the HR director was coming by to the person in the cube ahead of her, engaging, how are you, how's it going? He looks up at the person I interviewed and keeps going. Obvious sign. He didn't even say hi. Um, gallows humor. Really important to know that before you are let go, a whole lot of people in the company already know. So that means security knows, IT knows, your boss knows, their boss knows, and probably a certain group amongst that executive team who's planning for where your duties are going when you're gone. And so there's some gallows humor like, gosh, I hope you quit before I have to fire you, or wait a minute, you're still here? Just um, people are nervous. They know something you don't know, and so kind of gallows humor. Um, If you were a whistleblower, unfortunately, things don't go so well in general for people who go to HR compliance. So you might want to dust off your resume. Um, This is one you're probably surprised at, and I bet, Dawn, you thought when you worked in corporate America it was important to do a great job and be outstanding. Well, yes. Well, yes. (laughs) Most of us do. But however, there is a scenario known as crabs in a bucket. Oh, yeah. I I had that in my list. What are crabs in a bucket? Crabs in a bucket means if there are a whole bunch of crabs in a bucket and one tries to escape or move up, the rest of them pull him down. And often in in, um, corporate world, if you are doing a great job, other people perceive you as trying to make others look bad. Wow, harsh. So, this is very harsh. <laughs> this is harsh, and believe me, I'm the most Pollyanna person on the planet until you hear these stories so many times you can't ignore it. Um, but I had one person tell me I thought I was supposed to be outstanding. I thought I was supposed to do a good job. She was called into the HR manager's office 6 o'clock at night and told to slow down. You make everybody look bad. And if you tell anyone I had this conversation with you, I'll say you're lying. Wow. These are these are awesome office cultures. Um, I, awesome I, office cultures. I will have to say, though, like, I mean, that's that's probably the exception rather than the rule, because, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a show in the future about promotions and we're going to be talking about how you need to excel and be the crab getting out of the bucket. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it seems to work both ways that that. You know, if you want a promotion, if you want to get ahead, you have to go above and beyond so. and you have to stand out. So so I guess my question to you, Nancy, is, is how do you know if you're in a culture? Because it sounds to me like a culture or a department 
Mm-hmm. That's really the the challenge. How do you know if you're in a culture department where out being outstanding is actually going to be viewed as a negative versus a positive? Well, I would say look at your peer relationships because and your relationship with your boss because people want to work with people they like and they don't want to be shown up. So even um, if your boss is somebody who takes your success as their success, you're in a good culture. But if you're in a culture where your peers avoid you because um, you, quote, make them look bad or you're a show-off or you're aggressive, um, that, that is something to keep an eye on. So I would say pay attention to the relationships in your organization because mm-hmm. that had more to do with uh, people keeping their jobs. So often in a layoff, it's not – it's not the worst performer who's let go. It's the one who's deemed a challenge or not a fit or difficult to work with. Yeah, that's that's the point I wanted to get to. It's it's okay. more of the not the fit. You don't fit in here for some reason. It could be outstanding mm-hmm. behavior or performance. Um, it could be other types of uh, behavior or just, again, how you approach your work is very different than maybe mm-hmm. it's a very collaborative organization and you tend to operate as a one, one-man one show kind of thing. So, yep. yeah, that, that fit piece, because I would imagine if you're that crab trying to get out of that bucket, you are not going to be satisfied very long in an organization that keeps trying to, to pull you under. You're going to eventually leave anyway because that's very not good. that's not going to be a good fit for you in the long term. But I, I, I'm glad you pointed that out because I did kind of highlight in your book, crab in a bucket. What is that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a couple. Well, it's not what you think. <laughs> no. What uh, you expect when you go to work. But um, I think your point about, hey, if that's who you are, if you're uh, someone who wants to excel and strive, be in an organization that wants you to. Mm-hmm. It has to be a good match, kind of like we were talking with our caller, Lucy, earlier. That mm-hmm. You know, you have to find – you could be excellent at what you do, but if you find yourself in a culture that, that, that drags you down or just isn't a good fit, it will eventually kind of demotivate you and you're going to need to find find something else. So, hey, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If you found yourself in a layoff situation, do you see signs at your job or have you um, are you in a situation where you have to lay people off? We want to hear from you, 844-942-7866. And just a couple of other signs that, that might be subtle that are going around. None of these individually mean that a layoff is coming, but if you start to see a number of these happening, then you might just want to pay more attention. So if there are cuts in spending, maybe maybe they take the, the free coffee away, maybe they cancel or postpone projects, maybe they put a a close down on travel. Maybe there's a new a new leader in the role ahead of you and, and they're maybe gonna bring in their new team. So those are things to look for. If you're if you're seeing some of these, you just might want to pay attention. Hey, if you get a special project, sometimes getting taken off of your job to do a special project sounds like a great thing, but you have to ask the question, what's going to happen when the special project is over? Is my job still going to be there? Are they going to feel, I mean, this is, you had this story in your book, I think, Nancy, yes. of, of something oh, yes. very similar. Or somebody who got promoted, they get promoted and that job's eliminated. And, you know, the person who filled their, their previous position is still there. I mean, these are... These are things that are happening, and no, they're not fair. They're not fair, but when when you're in an employment at will situation, which is very, very important for you to find out what the laws are in your state, 
you need to be paying attention because I think, Nancy, one of the, the worst things that that kind of broke my heart about your book is when people are blindsided. So they had just purchased a house or they just, you know, yeah. ma- you know, something. And true, it does happen. Sometimes you are blindsided, but oftentimes there's these subtle, subtle things going on. And as you pointed out, Nancy, even if you're a stellar performer, that in and of itself, depending on your organization, your culture and what's going on could be the reason you are let go. It's 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 crazy world out there. 844-942-7866. We're taking your calls. We want you to be prepared in this market. Here's the deal. Job security is not with a company. It's inside of you. And if you keep your network strong, if you keep your skills growing, and if you are out there building a strong brand, even if this happens to you, and this has happened to me twice, um, you will land on your feet. So that's what this show is all about today, empowering you to find security inside versus externally with a company. We're talking with Dr. Nancy Corey King, who's the author of Fired, Managing Your Career in the Age of Job Uncertainty, where she, for five years, traveled the country interviewing people who were let go and has some really, really crazy stories in her book that that actually Nancy have shocked me that people have been treated this way. Um do you mm-hmm. have do you have um do you have a story that has shocked you the most? Is there one that you still kind of can't reconcile in your mind? Uh well, I can't reconcile people coming back from maternity leave and getting fired or people who are recovering from knee surgery and getting a certified letter handed to them. That to me is just off the charts. But there were others, and, and one in particular, the story in my book is Nick, where he had, he had the misfortune of being aligned with a leader that was no longer in most favored nation status at his place of employment. And that relationship kind of colored the way everybody else saw him from when that person, when his leader was unemployed. So the new leader comes in, say, we're eliminating your job. And he's like, yeah, okay. Um, So, you know, I've been successful here for 15 years. I did the most here. I had this job. I had this job. Been there 15 years. Worked many, many divisions of this large academic setting. And so he started to pursue other opportunities. And his old job was open. Um, they wouldn't look at him. And then um, somebody actually said to him, why don't you try volunteering in one of the departments to see how it fits for you? Now, (laughs) this is a successful professional, basically. So he goes to um, his boss's boss and says, will you help me? Do I have your support to find another job here? I mean, it's a vast system. There's plenty of work. And he says, Joan will show you the door. Wow. That, yeah. That, that's not mistakable. That's, wow. That was a clear message. Yeah. The, his direct supervisor said, now we're going to plan a party for you. And um, he's like, I don't feel like celebrating. She, she's like, it's not for you. It's for your coworkers. And he goes, I don't feel like celebrating. And, um, well, that's the boss said, well, you're really selfish. So, this incredible career with objective achievements, and I was very um, deliberate in, you know, what were your what were your achievements? Person who for 15 years had extraordinary valuations was literally cast aside 
That's and, that's um, incredible. I mean, it's incredible. Your book has a lot of talent. yeah, a lot of stories like this. And I think I think it's important to understand as you were talking about like where do you fit in the organization? Who's 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 watching out for you? You do you have yes. a sponsor? Do you have people who um you know are at the decision table? and who are vouching for you. I mean, sometimes we just don't think about these things, but I think it's worth thinking about. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're safe. And if if some of these signs that we talked about earlier are happening, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not. But you, I think one of the points you made earlier is about the fact that loyalty between employers and employees have changed. And you need to be aware of, of what your opportunities are pretty much at all times. And I, I do want to talk, um, Nancy, a little bit about what are the steps you should immediately take following a layoff? So, you know, if you can really quickly kind of like fat fire round, what are, what are the things you want to do immediately? So the first thing you want to do is hopefully you have already done this. Your resume's good. Your LinkedIn profile is good. You've, um, you've kept current with your network. So hopefully when that day comes, you've done those things to prepare. Um, if you get called into a meeting, the hardest thing to do, um, but try to keep your composure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to get due process. Nobody is going to give you time to explain. Try to listen. Please go with a notepad and take notes. Um, you're, you're going to be in there about seven minutes. Don't sign anything. Most states allow you a couple of weeks to review severance agreements. Um, do what you can um, to ask if at a later time you can talk further. Could you call? Could you set up a time to answer questions? Um, maybe ask them, could you jointly develop an exit story? And then really, most importantly, when you go home, you know, tell who you need to tell, your spouse, your family, um, and then limit anybody else you talk to because you want to get your story straight. You don't want to badmouth your employer, and you want to keep the door open until all the other issues are resolved. Um, it is it is a kiss of death to badmouth your employer. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to do that. Um, you know, one person in the book um, who was basically told to retire early because she wasn't doing things the way her new boss wanted. They asked her to do a party. Uh, she stepped out for a few minutes. Um, she came back. She agreed. And the boss left with a very positive feeling. You're a gracious woman. You're so professional about this. And if you can, that's the attitude you want because your coworkers and that person will not work there the rest of their lives. And those people go out to work in other places. And if anybody asks about you, they want a positive story to tell. Right. So, and you want to make sure you're going to have a good recommendation. So it's very hard um, to control the story, but be disciplined about it. Right. And um, you can just say, hey, um, it didn't work out or my position was eliminated or there's a leadership transition and 
um, it was time for me to, the new leader wanted to pick his own team and so on and so forth. And so, I think it's also important to know what the employer is going to say, because you need to understand, yes. you need to have your, your story aligned. Hey, do you have mm-hmm. a horror story about getting laid off? Or maybe you're in a situation where you have advice to offer to other people. We want to hear from you. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern, we're taking your calls right now at 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. And we're talking all about how to see the signs of a layoff coming, how how to to handle it within the first day or two and then how to get back on your feet and create a situation where you're not relying on the the security of a company. And so a couple of other things that I think, you know, one of the things that I know you write about in your book is that, you know, people don't like to hear, well, this is going to be this is going to be a great opportunity and you're going to you're going to land on your feet and this is going to be and I will actually say Nancy for me both layoffs <laughs> turned out to be great opportunities. Obviously in the moment they didn't feel that way, but I do think it is an opportunity to take a step back and to look at where you are what you want to do. And, you know, sometimes you've been kind of going along doing the motions and it's not what you want to do anymore. So I think it's an opportunity to take a look at is the market offering other things that are more interesting to me? Maybe this is a good time to switch. But I also think before you even, um, you know, start your job search, you want to make sure you have a very clear career story, as you're saying. So obviously you want to know what to say to employers um, in the interview. So what is your, you know, if you've been laid off and you've been asked the question, you know, why are you looking? What is your recommendation? So if you're not working, you just have to be honest and say, I, I was, um, I was formerly employed at X. Uh, a new leader came in and wanted to bring in their own team or my position was eliminated or there were layoffs or it, and in, sometimes you just have to say, we both realized it wasn't a good fit, and so I made the decision with them to move on. Yeah, so and my as a re- things are fair. As a recruiter, um, one of the things that I'm always interested in is, is there more information? And and so I think you need to make this short and sweet. You have maybe 45 minutes in an interview, and you need to make this not the focus of it. So know what your employer is going to say, and then you also have to talk about it like you're talking about what you ate for dinner last night. You really need to remove the emotion. So you know, that's another reason to kind of take some time after a layoff, because if you go into an interview and you bring that emotion with you, uh, I as a recruiter, I'm going to see that and I'm going to assume the worst. And if you're saying as you grit your teeth, uh, I was part of a layoff or, you know, that's going to obviously come through. So you want to give yourself space to deal with that. And here's something else. I know it's difficult to think about putting out money in a situation where you've just lost your paycheck. But oftentimes, a career coach can be a savior in this situation on a number of levels. One, they can help you understand how the job search has changed, especially if you haven't been on a job search for a number of years. And that's critical because you don't want to waste time applying online or other situations that aren't going to work for you or using an outdated resume or not engaging on social media. So I think a job search coach can be super helpful. They can also help you identify if you want to make some kind of switch, how you can rebrand yourself. They can help you practice the interview so that when that question comes up about, hey, you know, why are you looking for a job? You can nail that question, get through it, be confident and move on. And here's the reason why you should be confident when you talk about that, because, you know, I've been looking online for data about layoffs and 
every every industry is slightly different. There are some industries that tend to have a lot more layoffs, and it's pretty normal. So, I mean, construction is one. You know, pharma, a lot of mergers and acquisitions in that industry. Um, so there's there's a number of those that you're, you're going to find a lot of of turnover. Um, but then there's some where where there might be less. But here's the deal: if you're in the job in a, a professional career any length of time, chances are you're going to do you're going to experience a layoff somehow, somewhere, and you can't let that shake you because that's just rite of passage for being a professional. Um, some point in your career, it's likely going to happen and you know, brush it off, move on, move forward, and take it as an opportunity to rebrand yourself and find the career that you love. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Um, we're talking with Dr. Nancy Corey King, the author of Fired, Managing Your Career in the Age of Job Uncertainty. And I want to talk about um, um, survivors, the whole idea of survivor, survival, uh, I can't even say that, survivor's guilt. So the people who, who didn't get laid off. Um, so Nancy, what, what can coworkers do in a situation where their colleague got laid off? And I, I know it can be uncomfortable and I know there's a little bit of fear about associating with somebody who got laid off because you're afraid that you'll be next. But how can coworkers support this employee? Well, I think that's a great question. And people who left jobs and left long-term relationships will report that their coworkers didn't answer emails, didn't answer phone calls, were afraid to talk to them because their bosses would perceive it as divided loyalty and would worry that they were next. So I think, you know, if your co- if your employer has not put restrictions on you contacting people, and some do, especially with egregious offenses, but uh, reach out to them. And I think the best thing you can do, you're working Keep your ears open, keep your eyes open, and give them um, ideas because you know what's happening in your industry. You know where, who left a job, what jobs are going to be available, what conferences are coming up, what uh, day does uh, Chamber of Commerce meet. You're going to be able to help that person stay connected and um, know know what openings are. Uh, and the other thing is the moral support. It's, um, it's devastating for people. Um, you know, it can even be immobilizing. And so having friends reach out to you is so important. And you're right. You don't want to hear at the moment it's the best thing that ever happened to you. It it probably will be. At the moment, you want to hear, I'm sorry, how can I help? Mm-hmm. We're going to go to Kim in Georgia. How are you guys doing today? Great. What's your question, Good. Kim? Well, I, I, I'm a recruiter for a Caterpillar uh, dealership for Caterpillar, the orange earth-moving equipment that you see in construction sites. Um, one <laughs> thing really important, when you're laid off and wanting to get with another company, you never know what's going on with those four walls of that company you want to work with. So knowing the culture by doing the research on that company, and then also knowing someone, reaching out to uh, someone is going to get you in quicker than not. Those are great points. Um, Nancy, anything you want to add? And we do have to wrap up quickly because we are we are counting down on the clock. But, um, you know, kind of as a last bit of advice to add to to Kim's advice. Well, I love those. I love those two points because, you know, the first predictor of job loss in my study was getting a new boss. The second was getting a new job. And so 
understanding that culture when you're walking around, if you're being toured, if you have someone you can talk to. Those are excellent points. Kim, thank you so much for listening and for calling the show. We love to hear from people who are in recruiting and hiring positions because this really helps our listeners dive into um, what's going on behind the scenes. So thank you so much for taking the time to give us a call today on SiriusXM Channel 132. And as we we quickly wrap up, I wanted to thank Nancy for coming on the show. And, And Nancy, where can people reach you? Well, I am on LinkedIn, uh, Nancy King, and I have a website, www.joburncertainty.com. Um, I also have an email, Nancy Corey, K-O-U-R-Y, King, at gmail.com. And my book is on Amazon um, and uh, available on Kindle as well. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.